Let's do it. All right. There it is. There We're it is. Progress. It's all happening. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. Uh, brought Hi, to Joel. you tonight by good old-fashioned water. Mm. Ah. <laughs> water can't really, they can't really sponsor us, but I really like is water. Is water a they? Is that a... Is it's it, a they. Is, should we be calling it like Dasani? Did they get the rights to that yet? This is Lincoln Water. This is Lincoln, you know, Nebraska aquifer watershed water Beautiful. that's been filtered. But um, I sweated my ass off outside clearing out. Joel sent me a very just so everybody knows. Joel did actual like manual labor <laughs> the last couple of days. He I used this picture of this giant pile of like scrub brush. Yeah. I had to clear so, out. So la so yeah, I had a bunch of weeds back there that had gotten out of hand and my wife had been sort of elbowing me in the last few days. Like, Hey, you should probably do that. And, uh, let me tell you, I'm not going to change my, my day job from teaching to landscaping anytime soon. Um, I'm sore. I'm like, I sweated buckets today. So yeah. There are um, days when I think, you know, it would be nice just to go work outside for a while. And then I go outside and I'm like, nah, I'm going to go back inside. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the air conditioning, please. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, a couple of things before we get going, we have an amazing guest tonight and I can't wait to introduce her, but, um, uh, find us on Instagram at trying to be better podcast and email the podcast at Steve, take it. TTBB podcast at gmail.com. Have, uh, do we have any emails? Is we it do just, not. Okay. So email us. Otherwise, we're just going to stop saying it. Please email us. No, I'm going to keep saying it. Someday somebody will email us. Somebody, please Somebody email us. Right. Tell us about your day. Um, sure, sure. Uh, the, other, the other bit of housekeeping before we launch into our conversation that I want to bring up is that I got to witness Steve Erbauer play oh. rock and roll. Real rock and roll. With Exile on O Street, Lincoln's premier tribute to the Rolling Stones on Southeast Saturday. Nebraska's premier Rolling Stones. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Uh, the regional's best tribute right, to the Rolling And go. holy buckets. You guys started playing at like 9. I didn't get there until after the fireworks at like 10.30. And there was still like... We wrapped you know, up at 1.15. And it was solid stones for the whole time. 41 songs. Amazing. Yeah, you guys was, were great. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Were, you guys were great. It was it was it was a lot of fun and you guys sounded amazing. It, it's one of those it's like I know it's only rock and roll, but I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, dude. Well done. Do you Thank have any you. gigs coming up? August seventh at Rosie's in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. Yep. Be there. Be there. Okay. Get your yayas out. <laughs> Get your yayas out, please. Right. Um Speaking of yayas, we have an amazing, <laughs> we have an amazing, I don't know. Sorry, Ann. Uh, we have an amazing, <laughs> we have Thanks, an amazing, Joel. we have amazing guest tonight and I'm so Perfect. stoked. We didn't even really get to chit chat much. Um, but, uh, one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world and Diacetus is on the podcast tonight. I reached out to Ann. I don't know, not even a week ago to see if she would do it because she's an amazing person and a dear friend, but also she's in a band and they just, I just got their, you know, vinyl in the mail. And so cool things are happening in Anne's life, but Anne's just an all around cool person. I went to Cal arts with Anne. Um, and that's where we met. But since then, I know Anne's had an amazing, interesting, vivacious sort of career that she's carved out herself and, 
I'm just really stoked to have her as a friend and I'm really stoked to have her on the podcast. So we give a big trying to be better. Welcome to Anne Diacetus. Hi, Anne. Aww. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Joel is also one of my favorite people. So I'm, I'm completely thrilled to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Anne is already out doing the microphone contest with us. She's in her voiceover cave. I can see like blankets draped above her and she's got like this huge rig. She's even got cans on. I'm like right. jealous. Like she's way, she's more prepared for this conversation on podcast than we are. So, so well, glad you're here. Seriously I, need to up our game, man. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to you live from Ruben's closet. This is Ruben's <laughs> closet, which is where a lot of voiceover magic happens. It's true. Sure. Well, that's I, the joy I, of, that's the joy of modern technology is you can do that. Yeah. yeah amazing yeah. Mm -hmm. um so Anne, uh where do we even start with you i mean oh god <laughs> i mean that's i mean I, I i okay so when i met you in 2006 we hit it off right away because you're just a really personable wonderful person to chat with oh. and it became very clear that you had already kind of like i think you took the longest time between undergraduate and graduate school and, and our entire cohort. So you had, you had worked in Chicago, you'd worked in New York. Um, yeah. you were, you were, are you born and raised in New York? Where is that where you're? Yeah, I'm originally from New York. I was born in Queens, lived there until I was five. And then, I mean, we're really taking it back, but yeah, I, let's go. I, <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I was born at 1 40 AM. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then we moved to Port Washington when I was five years old and that's where I, you know, finished high school and everything else. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, uh, what was, what's been fun about my career is that I did not, um, try to achieve any kind of <laughs> commercial success to fund more adventurous work. I just went straight to the adventurous work. Whoa. It was a, a bunch of us um, all relocated uh, to Chicago, which is a very, very friendly city to new companies. Yeah. And and we just started doing, you know, experimental productions of Greek plays and adaptations from French novels and, you know, Beckett and whatever we felt like doing. And as much as I feel like from a commercial perspective, I spent sort of my hottest, most bankable years making this downtown <laughs> entrepreneurial work. It also really made me feel um, accomplished and confident in a way that I wouldn't trade because hmm. I, I just didn't, I, I just never put it off. I just never thought, well, right now I need to do this because this is what people want from me. And then later I'll do my own thing. Um, I, it was me, uh, Katie Tabor, who was the managing director and Joanna Settle, who's now a very accomplished theater director. Um, we were the core, um, sort of at one, at the latter part of the company's life. And, uh, I, I just wouldn't have traded that for anything. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, we, we relocated to New York as a company at one point because we'd sort of hit a ceiling in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Chicago is great. It's so great. I don't want to say anything bad about Chicago, but they, they, they sort of like their small nonprofits, like tiny and scrappy, like, mm -hmm. 
you know, urchins, like little yeah. street urchins. And if we wanted to raise more money, they wanted us to start having a subscriber base and announcing a season. And we were very project based. I mean, we would do one show that would with a budget of $70,000. And then we would do something that was, a, you know, an installation in the in the window display at a futon shop for mm. like 3500. And they nice. just didn't understand yeah. that we were scaling to what the work needed to be. Mm. And that made sense to us um, mm -hmm. as the development director the long-suffering development director I was always having to explain like why didn't we take $30,000 and do three shows for 10 grand each it's like because yeah. it would never occur to us to do that right so then we thought we're project-based I'm from New York Joanna was from New York Katie had always wanted to try it and so we just said well New York is just ultimately project-based so let's mm. just go there mm. and that's where the company sort of rode out the rest of its time I mean at a certain point the other members of the company wanted to get married and have children and that's sort of the death of a small nonprofit. <laughs> and I, honestly because it just sucks up all your energy and your time yeah. And so I had to think, well, you know, what do I want to do with my time? And I had always thought about going and studying um, acting in graduate school mm. because as an undergrad, I had this I had this thought and I think it's I think it's right. I'm not who knows, but I always felt like there's only so much an undergraduate degree in theater is going to do for you. It's the yeah. MFA that that is. And so I thought, well, I love to write. I love to read. Mount Holyoke has a pretty great English department. I think I'm going to go to the mountaintop of the English department and be a theater minor. And then if I really want to later, I'll go to graduate school for acting if I can. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's when I met Joel. Um, mm. And I I did I did think, you know, like maybe I should try to have a little bit more commercial success. It would it would be nice to have a little bit of money, like just a little <laughs> bit of money. Well, you know, and this is where it's just, you know, those TV commercials where there's the um, you know, the investment banker and he's sitting across from the nice couple and they're talking about how if they just do things a little bit differently, they can buy their jet skis earlier than they planned <laughs> like i am not on track to have any of those conversations so, so you mean I about did... jet skis <laughs> you know they've got their lake house or whatever like i so I, I did i did try to you know like i went for yale nyu i didn't think it was worth it if you couldn't get into a top program yeah but i knew that my weird like i say downtown entrepreneurial theater artist past would make total sense at CalArts. Yeah. And uh, and they just they without reservation just scooped me right up and yeah. and it was the most amazing rabbit hole that Joel and I went down together <laughs> for 3 years. It really was like <laughs> I I think that our conversation maybe after our initial audition for them was probably similar because I think it was the weird stuff I had done, the weird original work I had done that got them excited. My audition wasn't spectacular. It was the fact that I was an artist outside of the box a little bit that, that they were excited about me. And I think you and I share a similar, even though you had probably a little more time working professionally than I did before graduate school, that was a thing, I, I think, a you know, something that sparkled on the resume maybe. Sure. And they just love hopeless cases, I, which isn't to say, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> which I about to spit say, out my water, 
Which isn't to say that some of our classmates and, and people that we studied with aren't doing amazingly well. Oh my God, I see, well. I see them all the time. They're doing great. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. They're fine. But but it's true. I think I think the, the outside the box artists are the ones who get the most attention there. And I just loved it because I came in with a list as long as my arm of mm. things that I'd been wanting to work on that mm. either didn't fit what the company was doing or that I just didn't have time for on top of the company and things mm. like that. So, um, and music was actually part of that. I ended yeah. up, you know, I took a singing class. I took a, yeah. a theory class from Dan Rosenboom, the trumpet yeah. player, who is a monster, by the way, if yeah. people are not following his career, he's incredible. And actually, I, I want to send him a bit of a thank you note because the class that I took from him in the music school which was a little bit music theory for dummies <laughs> <laughs> saved me yeah. saved me because i you know we all have our best laid plans and i came out with my acting degree and i have worked as an actor some but i you know within about 2 years i was really feeling the pressure of not having an ongoing creative project to work mm. on something that was always there. I was auditioning plenty. You know, I found an agent. She's still with me now. Like, God bless. She's a believer. Like, I yeah, would have dropped right. me by now, but she <laughs> really roots for me, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. I, she sends me out. She sends me out. And we could do a whole podcast about near misses, man, and what oh, they do yeah. to your head. Wow. What they yeah. do to your head. Right. Because I've definitely got some stories there. But because those near misses were so painful and because it was just, it's also episodic, you know, you just, you yeah. go out, you come back, you try and forget, you go out again, you come back, you try to forget. I thought, I'm going to lose my mind. Mm. I need something, you know, for a long time I had the company mm -hmm. and then I had graduate school mm -hmm. and I needed this through line that needed me that I could need. And mm. it was music. Yeah. And what's so crazy is that I got into theater in the first place because it was an opportunity to sing. I started out mm -hmm. as a singer. I sang in all the little choruses. I wasn't nearly good enough to be a soloist until I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in the chorus of countless shows just because it was another chance to sing. And then at a certain point, I realized I was I was a much better singer than I was an actor, and I got really pissed off. <laughs> and I and that took me on this tangent to really, really trying to crack acting. Mm -hmm. But there was this very wonderful sort of natural return to music, mm -hmm. um, which initially was not with James Boudreaux, who's the band leader for Bell Helium. It was with Willie and the Wolves, which was this great retro Latin and R&B fun bar band that I was in for... I think, I think like eight years mm. and that was, um, that was, I think, yeah, I think it was like 2001 to 2019. That's a good run. That's oh good yeah. Run. Well, and we didn't even know the glory days we were in. And that was, that was mm. Willie Wolf, who was the band leader and the main songwriter, great songwriter, Fred Ginsburg on the trumpet. Uh, we were sort of the core three, Hashem Asadullahi on sax, Steve Marks on bass and Lenza Caro on drums. Mm. And we went from playing little bars in Brooklyn that were with stages that were too small for us to um, stages in Manhattan that were too small to fit all of us. And and we just uh, we became a bit of a regular at this bar, Patty Riley's. And um, and we didn't even know. I mean, we didn't even know what a glory time we were yeah. in when it was happening. Um, but that that was like that was an amazing run. And and that that really got me grounded back in music again. Hmm. And and then as that project was winding down, as you know, these things do like they have their lifespan and 
People have other things they want to do. And Willie's songwriting was starting to change. It was like he was writing for a new band. Mm -hmm. It was strange, you know, but it it was rapping. That's when James and I were in touch again. We'd known each other since high school. And he had, uh, he'd played in some bands. He played with the Billy Nayer show um, for a while. uh, And and he just got frustrated with trying to find his voice or, I don't know, I don't want to speak for him here. I know that he got frustrated because he started his own label Mm. when we were roommates together in Brooklyn. And he started Mm. doing these incredible, very rough recordings right there in the apartment. And um, he did these experimental, a couple experimental records. Uh, One of them was called Java Street Bagatelles. We lived on Java Street and and um you know the cat is is on there my old cat sweet pea she's (laughs) credited with percussion because she jumps down in her little collar jingles and stuff so but he had sort of he'd gone into this period of time when he was not playing out he was doing you know he did another recording called astral law that's absolutely amazing wow um and then it was a few years back that you know he started to want to play out again and he ended up with this residency at shrine in harlem a shrine world music venue which is a great great spot and he was there uh, one Thursday a month for um, 2017, 2018. So I heard that he was doing this and I just started showing up. Can I swear on this podcast? Fuck yeah. I just f- fucking started showing up because I knew how hard it was to build audience. I, yeah. I mean, after all of my time producing theater and all of my time in the other bands and whatever else, like if somebody you believe in is playing, no. fucking show up up okay so i just i would go and as much as i could and it's a bit of a trek because i live on long island but i would i would go up to harlem and i would sit there and they were doing um he put together this project just james boudreau band he just wanted to play out and they were it was grateful dead covers richard linda thompson dylan um ended up doing some Joni mitchell Mm. and after not so long i not so secretly started hoping that i might be asked to sit in (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and my dreams came true. And then the, the second year of the residency, I was there pretty much full time. And at the end of all that, there were all these different musicians who had cycled through that, right? Um, depending on who was available. True. And James just like pointed at people. And he hmm. was like, you, 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 you. Do you want to make a record? I have a bunch of originals. I'm working on originals. And there was only, I think, one newcomer in all of that who was the drummer. So now Bell Helium comes together. We don't have a name yet. We start going into rehearsal, right? So it's James Boudreaux, who's the band leader and the main songwriter. Kaylee O'Darty, who's a monster on keyboards. Mm-hmm. Corey Cox on the drums. Ian Riggs on bass. And myself trying to keep up. Mm. And James is bringing in different songs. And some of them, some of them, he's just like, hmm, I like this song, but... It's for a different band or it's for a different record or it's for a different something else. He was very reserved in terms of what he asked anybody to do. He brought everybody to the table because he liked their voice. Mm. The only time he ever said anything to me was kind of, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? Mm. Let us hear you. And I I was growing. That's amazing. Yes. A a great band leader moment, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. because I was growing out of my time with Willie and the Wolves and into whatever the next thing was going to be. Yeah. And something I'd really love to talk about, actually, is how how much this stuff is linked to personal growth for me. I mean, I oh. Oh. I find these voices and I inhabit these voices. And <laughs> Please talk they, about that. They teach me about things. And, <clears throat> and you know, so uh, that was really the only note that he had for me was just it was kind of just like, Anne, just sing. 
I, I really just want to hear you sing. Well, it sounds to me like he put, I mean, and I, this is why I love that you're on here, Anne, and I know you, so I can call you out. It's like, you just start talking and just let, just let Anne talk. Oh God. I love it. No, that's why you're the perfect guest. Um, but I'd love, I mean, just, I just want to put a pin in the whole, like he just put, you know, as a band leader, put the talent and the interesting folks together Yeah, and just let that happen organically it sounds like and and the only thing you could do wrong in that scenario is hide your light well I, this is the thing is he brings so much to the table as a songwriter and as a guitarist oh, and yeah. he expects you to bring I, I, and he's like he's a soft-spoken wonderful mm -hmm. kind guy um but it's definitely about he's as curious as he is prescriptive mm. so he puts this group of people together because he likes what they bring. He throws his song in the mix and he goes, I wonder what will happen. Yes. And then it starts to develop. And one of the things that we love about this record is, is that it doesn't feel like anyone's showcase in mm. the end. Every Agreed. musician on this record is really on this record. Yeah. And that's just something that got built in a very concentrated you know, period of rehearsal. That's the thing that I noticed as I was listening to it today is that um, every everybody has their voice. Like I can tell each individual player, I can tell each individual kind of personality and nobody's playing just like filler. Yeah. It's yeah. really fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and I credit James a lot with that because he just he knew which songs to keep developing and which ones to put aside. He he we would work on something and it would he would write a new song. I mean, I don't I don't know exactly what all of his process was. Really, you should have James on clearly because I, I, <laughs> I keep trying to figure out how he does it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, in the end, you know, we went into the studio aside from some you know extra hand percussion i think james laid in some guitars we did backing vocals on a different day this record was recorded in a single day wow wow and and then and then the name came last the name where of that, the where band the name come the from the name of the band came last <laughs> where did that yeah. come from oh it's james and it he wanted something that represented a balance of heavy and light mm -hmm. he just he you know and that's where the, the record is a it's a moody record but it's also a joyful record and yeah. i think that um as a philosopher <laughs> um when when we think about life there's that incredible um mix there's the, you know yeah. there's there's the heights and the depths and they're in the songs and i i think that um that he wanted to to honor that and and was trying to figure out how to do it and it just like came out of him one day because oh, there yeah. were a certain amount of discussions about names and we tossed a few ideas around and then one day he just said bell helium and we were all like yeah okay mm -hmm. well that that song beautiful day that's why i was listening to it uh just you know 40 minutes ago driving home and because the like the chorus and the verse is very major mm -hmm. and then the then you get into the fender Rhodes solo bit that is a little dissonant and a little dark and then yeah. it comes back around mm -hmm. and like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it really does encompass like that's, I mean, it's not a beautiful day. That's kind of a, a day. <laughs> <laughs> well put. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, there's a lot, there's some dissonance and there's some uncertainty and there's some tension and then it'll spring up and you have these moments of like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to the beautiful day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's, there's transcendence, you know, there's there's transcendence and there's and there's struggle. Uh, and I think that 
it's not you know it's it just doesn't feel like a heavy record to me as much as as much as some of the songs are are like deep mood Mm -hmm. um even the mood is is beauty and then and then the stuff that's um the stuff that's chirpy and happy like it just makes me so happy i i if when i'm having a bad day i i like i'll listen to the record and you know it's funny (laughs) um i'm gonna steal something from michael shannon here because you know how actors and performers will often say like oh i can't listen to you know oh yeah i can't, I can't watch myself my on, i can't, watch, I can't myself. watch myself on screen i can't yeah. listen to my voice or whatever else somebody asked michael shannon about that on a red carpet once and he found the most amazing way to sort of cast light and throw shade at the same time <laughs> he said you know it's not only my work that's up there it's my scene partner and the lighting person and the DP and the director and the costumer and the cinematographer yes. and the, you know, and he just went yes. on and on and on. And I, I love listening to the other musicians on this record. Mm-hmm. So they make it wonderful to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And that's, and that's when, you know, you've got a good band. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when, you know, you've got a good thing and, and that's, it's absolutely true. I mean, this, I, I don't know when, when, when slow, when the song slow motion hit, there was mm. definite sea change for me. Mm. And it was like, oh, like that, my mind kind of expanded. And I, I kind of tend to gravitate towards the more philosophical, dark, dissonant stuff. And that was, it was like, okay, jazz fusion. This is fun. little bluesy. Okay. A little bop. <laughs> you know, there's some bopping here. And then all of a sudden it, 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 you went to a different dimension um and that that i don't know that sort of opened up the record for me um i just i want to go back to something you said though and i'm not going to let us drive by this point how can you talk a little bit more about why this was such a personal growth experience for you yeah. oh well this is this is really about just my relationship with my work and it's it's always been this way whether it's um an acting role or singing um, you know, I'll often think I'll have some idea of, of what it should be, right? Mm. I'll try to decide what it should be. And my best performances are always when I kind of discover a voice that's not really mine. Mm. And mm. it sounds a little strange and it sounds a little wrong and it feels uncomfortable. And ultimately, I, I find that like, I want to be the I want to be that voice. I, I find something about it that's alluring. I find my way into it. And it's it's a little bit more abstract when I'm talking about singing because it's, but it's it's kind of the creation of a character in, mm. a, in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I can say is uh, when, when Joel and I were at CalArts, I, I got invited to be in a production of Closer by Patrick Marber, which is a very tough play. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, a very ugly play. I mean, I got Caustic. the script. Oh yeah, well, caustic I, and mean, and well, yeah, so mean. I mean, the characters only credit each other with honesty when they're being cruel to each other. They yeah. they don't believe each other unless they're hurting each other. Right. And I got the script, and I, you know, because I was trying to stay open, right? So I have something. What? I'm I'm not busy enough. I need to rehearse from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. and do something why, in the coffee house we, theater. I don't know, Joel. Why do we know. do that? I, I, I don't think know. I stayed I up know. past. I stayed up past two the other night, and I it. it I, it take me a week. <laughs> 
So I got the script and I read it and it's these characters, they all behave badly. They all come to some form of bad end. And all I could think was, how am I going to do this? Like, I don't, I don't like this character. I think she gets exactly what she deserves in the end. And I had to kind of check myself and say, how could I play this character and not judge her? How can I get to that place? Mm-hmm. Um, because as Joel can tell you, I have some opinions and, and it, it doesn't always serve me. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't always serve me. And I managed to create a version of this character who just, she couldn't recognize real love. So mm-hmm. she had an affair because she was never sure. She yeah. was never sure. And it was, and she was terrible, terribly fragile. And, uh, and then that role actually really messed with my head. I had to go talk to Miriana in, in, mm-hmm. in the theater office and just be like, I'm freaking out. I don't know who my friends really are. I, mm-hmm. I'm realizing I'm interacting with all my classmates and it's, uh, it's all through scene work. Uh, does anybody mm-hmm. really know me? And she's like, all right, <laughs> you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You need to go do something that's just for you right now and ground yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I bought a mountain dulcimer. And started singing. Oh yeah, that was the birth of the dulcimer. That was the dulcimer moment because that was that's what that well she recommended I find something to ground myself and I chose music. Yeah. So, but it's similar. Like I have to find a connection in it, and then that connection stays with me. So Mm. I find that I am more accepting of other people. I remain empathetic to that point of view, and. You know, it makes me think, too, of um, I have a lot of stories. There's always plenty. Um, when I went to uh, Eugene, Oregon at, with Anton Ray and, oh, did a yeah. produ- and did a production of Trojan Women, right? Right, right. And um, Anton is a, is a really brilliant director and a, and a monster because he, he had me play Hecuba. I'm like, I'm not a crone, Anton. You're really going <laughs> to have me play Hecuba? He had me play Hecuba. Um but you know, there's this there's this scene in the show in in the play where she buries the baby, she yeah. buries the child, and Anton, because he's he's brilliant and a monster, um, had the baby like kind of made of uh, clay or something, and then it was like a broken baby. So Hecuba's there. Uh, he seized on something that Talthybius has to say, which is take him, take him from me. Okay, and you'd think like, well, why wouldn't she just take him? So. In the way we did it is that I'm sort of looking away. I can't even look at the child. I know he has my dead grandson. And I oh, and he's like, take him, take him. And I open my arms and I hold my arms out as if he's going to hand an infant to me. And and then Talthybius drops these broken pieces that fall through my hands. Hmm. And every night I, I felt the audience absorb what they were seeing hmm. and, and they would gasp. So... This was a tough show, okay? This is right. it is not easy to do Trojan women. It is just women wailing and death. So right. so and every night I had to bury baby parts. And I remember looking forward to closing so much. And I thought I won't have to feel this way anymore. And the show closed and I and I was just tired and we struck and I got offered a ride home, but I wanted to ride my bike to have the ride and I got back to my Airbnb and I still felt the same and I thought in the morning everything's going to be great and I woke up in the morning and my first thought was oh god you can't leave me here don't Mm. leave me here but it left me having never been to war like Anton has Mm. a good Mm -hmm. person to direct this play by the way a veteran right Mm -hmm. having never been to war I, I some sliver of an awareness of the cost of war, some sliver of, you know, to, when you just when you 
throw your imagination that hard at something, at someone else's experience. You don't necessarily have to get direct testimony. You don't necessarily have to have gone through it yourself. It, it opens you. I don't, I don't delude myself that I know what that would really be like, mm -hmm. but it, it opens you. And I think if you're not doing work that opens you in that way, for me, I don't know why you're doing it, but, but that's, you know, again, I'm, I'm not on my way to meet the financial planner. So like there's <laughs> reasons to do other kinds of work for other reasons. Okay. <laughs> but, but that's something that's very meaningful to me and is why I do it. It's why I do it even, even when it seems it's, it's so, it's a way of life for me. It's a way of understanding the world and, and becoming more open to other people. Mm. Can I ask a question? This is, and I've been trying to figure out how to word this, but I don't want it. Joel, you know, has something you want to go back to? This is something that I'm genuinely curious about is at the beginning of the conversation, you kind of picked up with, and I took this company to Chicago. Yeah. And what I'm interested in, like genuinely curious about is like, how, you know, obviously we were, there's a time constraint here, but how, yeah. like, how did you get to that place? You're in, yeah. you're in Long Island and you're like in high school or what does well, that wait, wait, look no, like? Oh. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think I, I must have skipped over. I mean, no, no, no. I, I, it was just kind of like, I don't, like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. There's a lot. I'm like, wait a minute. How does, how does that, how do you get to that place as like a, a person? What lit that fire? Like, was there a, an instructor or your parents or just your peer group happened to be a bunch of theater weirdos or what? Mostly the theater weirdos. Okay. Um, it was, well, what happened was I went to Mount Holyoke and I started spending a lot of time at Hampshire College. Which, okay. which is a lot of ways, has some similarities with CalArts, like, you know, mm. pretty chaotic uh, students having a lot of autonomy over their course through the work and, and you know, no grades, like everybody gets yeah. an essay or something from their teacher. Right. And high pass. High pass. pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I started spending a lot of time with Hampshire students. That's actually where I met Joanna Settle and Katie Tabor for the first time. So we all started working together in different combinations, but not at the same time. And, and there was a vibe and we had been hanging together and partying together and talking about art together. And we all graduated from our respective schools and went home and we're trying to figure out what to do next. I was in New York, you know, Rachel sled, who was another founding member was originally from Chicago. She was back in Chicago. Um, I think Katie was in Minnesota and we just all stayed in touch and we thought, well, this blows. We don't, we're not done with each other yet. We, yeah, we were onto something, you know, mm -hmm. we were onto yeah, yeah. something and there were certain values that we shared and there were adventures that we wanted to go on together creatively. And originally the idea was that the company would go to Chicago um, and we would do two shows. And then we would decide if we were going to move forward from there. Hmm. And um, and what happened was actually a very strange thing, which nobody expected, which was that some of us wanted to stay and some of us wanted to leave. And, hmm. and the makeup of the company became very different at that point. But yeah, I mean, I, I've always been, and, and I mean this sincerely, for better and for worse, mm -hmm. a bit fearless with this stuff. Obviously. And, and, and Obviously. Led, and led by can my confirm. Can <laughs> confirm. I can confirm that. But that's the thing that that's the thing that frankly that I'm 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 half like it's a part curiosity and part just um, I, like amazement because mm -hmm. you you obviously have this thing where it's like a, a guiding light uh in an artistic sense or it's like a personal like this is something that you feel like you have to do and so you just go do it. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of well what if 
Well, yeah. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's, I mean, obviously we're getting the short version of the story here, but like that, I, I not, as somebody no. like I, you're talking about your comment about this is part of my personal development really hit me hard mm. because this is something that like, I'm really just coming into myself in that regard in my late forties. Yeah. I just mm. turned 50 and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I've only got so many <laughs> days left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I have, I have some responsibilities. I have, I'm married. I have a couple kids. Like those, those are legit real world responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. And I'm fortunate that I'm kind of, my day job is pretty decent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it yeah. affords me the opportunity to do some extra stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. Well, I mean, look, I, I have to be transparent and honest here. I mean, I too work for money. I, I, sure, yeah. I am, yeah. I am, I am, <laughs> I am a fountain of talents that nobody wants to pay for. That is true. Well, of that all the things true. that is brilliant, all the things that I read this afternoon, you're like your bios. I was really impressed. Like the freelance work, the writing yes. work. Well, I'm like, that's is, amazing. Yeah. Well, and I feel, I feel great about bringing that into this conversation because a lot of what I do is a certain, it's some form of marketing consulting or mm -hmm. other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is informed by my training as an actor and my history as a performer, because every time somebody wants me to write, you know, an article or an advertisement or something, I will always ask, and Joel will love this, who are you talking to? Yes. What's your relationship to them? Yes. What do they think, feel, or believe right now? Right. What do you want them to what think, do you want? feel, or believe? What are you going to do about it? What have you tried and how did it go? Maybe yeah. you should try something else. And that's all scene study. I mean, totally. that's what are you doing? What is your action? What is the point of this communication? Yeah. Because I can just make an ad for you. I can just come up with something pithy. I do it all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? Yeah. And everybody's like, wow. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also, I, I get to know that the work is good. And I do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, right now, I'm working on a... a, a research paper that's going to be peer-reviewed in some medical journal. I mean, there's a lot of furious Googling of terms that I don't <laughs> understand. But, you know, but I get, I, get, I get hooked up with these subject matter experts who are extremely good at what they do, and they mm. really struggle to communicate their thoughts in writing. Mm -hmm. And a big part of the problem is they have no sense of narrative. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's so interesting that that, that adjacent work you it's founded on your scene study the sort of the building blocks of scene or act what do you want what's standing in your way how are you going to get what you want what how important is it to you i mean that's that's the stuff i teach in acting one yeah but you know people who watch a play a, a movie a television show that those folks broke that down if it's good they broke that down to have sort of that natural conversation and it becomes this sort of second nature to us and i love that it's mind-blowing to people that want an ad they're just like Anne's a genius you're like acting well, one you it's know a, well it's just it's the foundation of strategy you know yeah. and and so they're they're really happy about that and i just i just find that um it keeps me very stimulated to to be freelance because I'm forced into different topics all the time. Like yeah. I develop these concentrated bits of knowledge because of whatever expert I'm working with for these months. But then it's always, you know, they move on, I move on, things change, you know, there's different assignments mm -hmm. and it keeps me from feeling um, stuck and it yeah. keeps me from getting burnt out. 
because uh, before I went to grad school and I was working full time at a, a marketing firm, a global marketing firm, one of those places, it's like the mountaintop to go work. Mm-hmm. And um, I got so exhausted there and so incredibly burnt out there. And people would ask me because it was an impressive place to work. What's it like to work there? And I would say it's where creative people go to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Because they will just squeeze the last drops Drop of blood from your corpse. Yeah. Like they're, you right. know, it's it's business, right? Capital mm-hmm. B. So being on my own, I have the flexibility. I can get to all these auditions. I can do all these insane self tapes that are now requested. Self taping is yeah, nuts okay. now. No, I hate um, it. And uh, and I can and I can work with James and I can record a record, and 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 Hold i can on. make it all happen i can get away with it for another year nice what's self-taping oh Steve. <laughs> oh god it's when you don't go in to a studio and meet the casting director live to do an audition they send you a script and they want you to shoot the audition in your house like on your uh, iphone yeah on your iphone and uh this was a trend that was already advancing before the pandemic Mm -hmm. but it really accelerated and and it didn't only accelerate but it also exploded in in terms of what is asked of you and and look i i'm not going to complain about having opportunities but i mean i've gotten storyboards that they were like, we need this shot, we need this angle, we need this close up, we need this that and and they basically just want you to shoot the whole thing in your house and then they decide if if you're gonna do it for real and so it's just you know you can spend a half a day yeah um try doing all the setups and everything so it's just it's gotten more burdensome and you need you need flexibility to be you, able to do it and you're and, and and i've done a few for my agent and they're very rudimentary you know that's like me in front of a wall or whatever and i have a little light that i use but it's nothing fancy i can't imagine getting sent a storyboard <laughs> that's like, happened more than once that's happened oh more God. than once to me yeah more than once and do you and see I, do you see us going back to like going to an actual agency yeah i do, think do, so i, do I think do think are... so i think i think for the really for for a well-funded network tv show absolutely i do yeah. think that there will probably be even more sort of first round self tapes yeah, right where you know it's more of a callback scenario mm-hmm, that you're going sure. in in person mm-hmm. um but there's there's no real substitute for getting feedback and working and especially once you're at the callback stage somebody on production is going to want to work with you a little bit yeah right so I, I think that it will return uh to a degree uh i think certain things are have gone self-tape and they're going to stay self-tape yeah. now yeah um I guess I, I just, I hope that, I hope that the first rounds are, are stay simple because I, I really do think, and I'm not, I'm not trying to waste anybody's time. I'm sure casting is extremely stressed and there's a reason they're sending a storyboard. Yeah. Um, but I really tend to think they know in the first 10 to 15 seconds, if they have any interest in you or not. Um, and I would love, I would love for, um, for it to be a little bit easier. But, you know, this is just the world that we're in. And, and to stay agile and to stay adaptive is, is kind of what it's all about. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I definitely want a, a call back something you said, Anne, too. Um, there's something about uh, that, I, that hit me really hard, uh, opened me up when you were talking about you finding work that opens you, finding creative outlets that open you up more versus things that close you off more. And obviously there's, there's something to be said for being pushed and challenged, but um, what are the, I, I maybe I'll turn this into a question on you. Cause it's, this is not about me. Uh, 
<laughs> what what are some things in your t- in your time even even as a as a freelance copywriter or mm-hmm. as a theater maker i think back to your solo show at cal arts as something that was far and away better than some of the other original things that i saw there Aww. um violette violette yes um, yes uh, but what are some what are some artistic endeavors opportunities things you've done that you felt that opening felt that magic well, I, if you bring up Violette, I have to talk about it because, yeah. well, it, it was just so interesting because it started with um, a class that we took about yeah. uh, for performance art. Yep. And I was very put upon to have to take that class. Because <laughs> you were. There's you a were. reason. There is you a were. reason. Okay. You, I forgot. Like you were like offended. <laughs> I was really pissed off. I was stoked. I didn't work as hard as any of you. Like <laughs> you and and Evan. Evan for sure. And Evan and, and and Kendra. I think Kendra worked. Uh, you you three worked really hard on your pieces. <laughs> I just sort of farted them out. Sorry about it. <laughs> well, I, what what bothered me about it was that. It didn't have a clear definition, and there there didn't appear to be any way to do it wrong. So yes. I I questioned the need to practice it. Okay, <laughs> I didn't practice mine. Just full <laughs> but, disclosure. But here's the thing: is as much as I appreciate other work that challenges me, I screwed myself so hard with Violette because I filled it with all kinds of things that irritate me. <laughs> because there was the playwright Anne, and and I was adapting novels and and memoirs from this uh, this French author Violette Le Duc, who was this very enigmatic and and crazy kind of figure who hung out with Genet and Sartre and all these and Camus published her first book and she's France's greatest unknown writer, right? Mm-hmm. And a, a huge drama queen and and um, so I I was fascinated by her memoirs and everything else. So I started doing this adaptation and. I I hate when adults play children. It always bothers me. It just always seems forced and terrible. And of course, I, I wrote that in. Um, it was kind of like a gauntlet thrown to myself. Like, well, do better. Like, shut up. You do better. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate. Uh, I tend to hate confessional theater. And I and I filled this script with my own personal reflections and literally had my journals on the stage in a little pile mm-hmm. um, because I felt I felt this kinship with this woman who was so emotional and and absurd um, and and just felt everything in so hugely and, and was always going for things that were so impossible and you know she was also she was a lesbian who who could only fall in love with men and straight women she called it her passion for the impossible like she was this crazy person and I just loved her and I just felt so much empathy for her it's like what is wrong with me so then I just started ah. filling my guts to explain mm-hmm. why I cared um, mm-hmm. Which is something that my friend Katie Tabor, when she saw an early version of the script, was like, Anne, what's missing is why you care. Mm-hmm. And and so then every time I would perform that show, because I did it at CalArts. Mm-hmm. I did it at the Bushwick Star in Brooklyn. I think it was 2012. And then the next year, uh, it went to a festival in Connecticut. Um, and it was directed by Anton Ray. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was funny. I called him and I said, um, I want you to come to New York and produce my show. And he said, I want to direct your show. And I said, you can try. <laughs> did you let him eventually? I, I did. Hope? I did let him. Good. I did let him. And he contributed some really great stuff that will stay in it forever. So Good. I had to credit him forever now. But um, 
every night before I would go on, I would be backstage with my head against a wall saying, why did I do this to myself? Why did I do this? Why am I going to go out there and tell the stories of like the times I was in college? You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yes. Like these bad relationships that I got caught up in and romanticized to an absurd degree and, and very damaging to me and and uh, and 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 wax on about this this woman and try and play her at all different ages of her life and and try and inhabit somebody. I have no business believing that I really know what it was like to be her. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I would just think, God, Why? Nobody made me do this. I made me do this. And ultimately what centers me whenever I'm having that kind of stage fright is I have a moment where I sit back there and I just say to myself, this is what I do Mm. because this is what I do. Yeah. It's weird. It's a really weird way to spend your life. Um, (laughs) Profoundly weird. Um, But I'm very YOLO about it. Like I, I don't, I don't hear stories about people on their deathbeds saying, I wish I'd spent more time at work. Mm. I wish I'd spent more time sucking up to that boss who never really Mm. understood me. Like they all talk about how they wish they had done more of what they really felt passionate about doing, what they felt connected to and, 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 and done it with the communities that they wanted to build. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the community at Cal arts was a huge part of why I loved it. The community around my theater company was a huge part of why I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those are the things that people regret if they don't have and they don't yeah. pursue. Yeah. So I've sort of been willing to embrace the mess that comes with that. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't I don't have a lot of regret about it. And I, I think that means I'm winning. I think uh, I mean, yeah, 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. I mean, that's that's the thing is like, you know, I can be surrounded. I mean, I. I don't know. I'm trying to articulate myself here, but you can, I can be surrounded by a thing that I chose and love to do and paint it as a chore and a burden. Mm. Can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Steve. I mean, it's like, you know, I like complain about my academic job that I get to teach amazing (laughs) students and direct to three or four shows a year and blah, blah, blah. He's always like, yeah, dude, you're living your dream, buddy. Knock it <laughs> off. It's, but I, I think we all have to have those. He- I can totally see you, Anne, just bonking your head against the wall. <laughs> I can see that happening. Um, and not as a performance. You know, you're not doing this to be, you're doing that because you're struggling. But we all have that moment where we're like, why, why is, why, who do I, who am I to do this? Who am I to write that thing? Who am I to play in that oh, band? Who, right. Who oh, absolutely. I struggle with that at my day job, like walking in thinking, is this, is this like, I'm checking myself? Like, am I the guy? (laughs) And the answer is, yeah, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just don't know. You know, you can always compare yourself to other people. You can always compare what you're doing, your level of success, anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, I remember seeing a a documentary about Tori Amos when, when she was very new still, I remember Mm -hmm. thinking it's, it's a bit quick, (laughs) but it was actually a really good documentary. Um, And she said, you know, when you're worried about 
what other people think, which I think aligns with what you're talking about, about imposter syndrome or worrying Mm -hmm. about, Mm -hmm. you know, why should people sit down in the dark and listen to me? Like, why should everybody sit down, shut up and listen to me? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're not necessarily doing it because you, you expect total acceptance or pure adulation or whatever. You're doing it because it's your form of expression. And that's what she said. She said, Mm. you're doing it because it's your form of expression. And what happens when you do that is you find your audience and they find you. So you're not, you're not, you are not the person. Like there's some people who are going to hear the record, for example, they're crazy, but there are going to be people who hear the record and say, this is not for me. I don't think that that, I don't like her voice or whatever, but it's, that's not who it's for. It's for the people who who create a start to create a cycle of energy with me, mm. um, and it's most most powerfully felt on stage when mm. you make that connection, um, because it it ends up it starts out being about you and what you know m- me and what brings me joy to do, but it becomes about how that energy spreads and how it hits people and how they start sending it back to me, mm. and suddenly I'm hosting their party. Mm. And that's what feels the best. Yeah. That's the best. That's and so the best. All, all these times that I'm throwing it out there, my work, whether it's a, a role that I'm playing or singing that I'm doing or whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm throwing it out there so that can happen. Mm-hmm. And and that's when it really feels like it's complete. Mm. Hmm. That that was perfect. You, you like you after you're hosting their party. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's yeah. amazing. That's, that, that's, that's where the gravy's at. Like yes. when you can achieve that place. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's the, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Hmm. I, I can't top that. Because it's also, I mean, it also is your, <clears throat> it takes, it takes work and effort and timing and talent to make that happen, but it's ultimately an act of generosity of creating space of community and of celebration for the most part. Not every party is about celebration, but it's yeah, about yeah. bringing people together for a reason to have an exchange. I mean, that's why, that's why, that's why I'm still in love with the theater. Yeah. Um, and that's what I really find in teaching. I find the craft of teaching really fascinating and lovely. Mm. Um, and having that, you know, you know, I had a kind of class this last semester where I told, I, I actually said this in class. I'm like, I'm kind of feeling like I'm finally getting to that point where I'm Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society, you know, like, I've, <laughs> I've, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want anybody to, you know, um, do horrible things to themselves. But at the same time, I'm like creating this like transgressive sort of, is this okay? Should we be doing this? Like that sort of like feeling of, of discovery and celebration. And what I, I it all goes back to our hashtag Tucher Hooter, everybody, because totally, if, <laughs> totally. because like, we haven't met that. Thanks for throwing that in there, Joel. It's been missing for the last. I know. I've noticed that. That was a total, <laughs> that was a total forced plug. Sure. But whatever you're doing, like do it with that act of generosity of yeah. how is this benefiting your person, your cubicle next to you? Or how is this better benefiting the, the people on your team, the people at the party, the people at the restaurant you're working for? Like, how do you, I don't know. That's just a really beautiful goal that's something that i I, it's taken a long time but i'm starting to i think starting to grasp the concept of creating space yeah and a lot of that's been through your work joel at don because Mm -hmm. i've watched you turn the same black box 
into a bunch of different spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Very different things with very different experiences yeah. with some of the same people. Right. Yeah. And, and that, frankly, that's just been mind blowing to me on a lot of levels. Yeah. That, and just that that's, that's possible. And, and I'm going to, I'm just going to steal one of Anne's sort of things that she said earlier that it's like, I used to kind of feel like I needed to, uh, discount that. I don't know how to say it, like false humility that away that it wasn't me, but it was yes, me, but it was also the actors, the designers, the whole thing. Like what you said about listening to to your record, getting all of your, all of your shows together. Like I've listened to the play by play to those kind, you know, so I, I know through you that it's not just you. It's sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's leading a creative team to worlds unknown. And sometimes it's hurting cats, right? Ann? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and, and like, sometimes it's off trying to find like fake stained glass or the right oh, ketchup yeah. bottle or something. Yes. You know, like, I'll yeah. do it. Like, what are you doing? Well, I'm driving around trying town, trying to find this obscure prop. Yeah. Because I need yeah. it for a thing. Yep. You know? Oh yeah. A lot of that. I learned how to make sugar glass recently. And that was fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound fun. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Um, wow. Uh, we're getting close to the end, and but we have to do our our due diligence. We have some. We have. A, it's not a lightning round, and it's really not. I just it want to make sure. Lightning we, round. I know. I'm getting all stressed out now. What is this? So, What's well, about to happen to me? I want to know. We always we always ask like, what are? And I know this will be a beautiful hopefully uh, amazing list of things but no what you, pressure no pressure oh God, I know. I'm I, okay so your band is bell helium they just made an album yes, it's beautiful amazing yes yes beautiful amazing music and i will push that out on our channels but oh. um what are you listening to what is what is current or maybe what is what is constant and what is current in your musical listening world Oh God. Do you have like a desert Island record? Well, I do have a desert Island record and it's amazing because it just celebrated its, its anniversary is blue. Mm. Oh yeah. Joni Mitchell's Joni blue. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 50, you know, she's, yeah. I mean, she's been on my mind with that. Um, I remember it's, it's strange. I mean, I have, I have recordings that are touchstones that I go back to. Um, I, I'm obsessed with everything Beck. So, you know, it's not always stuff that's new. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge Lake street dive fan. Mm. Oh, they're great. Uh, Oh, Rachel price. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I am a fan of my own instrument. Uh, but if I could see which her voice away, like (laughs) I might, um, she's, she's amazing. And I'm going to see her actually, I'm going to see them, um, coming up soon. Very good. Um, and I don't know, it's a, it's a hard question right now. You know, a lot of the, the pandemic time was very quiet. Mm. And I actually had a really hard time uh, connecting. I, I mean, I'm grateful that this record already existed. You know, mm. um, I, did, I did a couple of, you know, the pandemic music videos. Um, but it's hard, you know, I wish I had a better answer to that question right now because... It, it's been a it's been a time when it was actually really hard for me to let go mm. and and um and 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 discover new music mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, I, I, I've been so looking forward to the end of this because mm -hmm. it was, um, it just put a veil across yeah. everything. Yeah. And um, I don't know, have me on again. I hope I'll have a better well, answer. Thank, well, you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, though, because that's, yeah. I think, I mean, that's an honest answer and that's mm -hmm. totally legit. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially like it, because I went through that for sure. Just struggling to find like, th especially things that like would normally very much trip my trigger to my hooter. And there was just this, uh, well, you said a veil where it's like it's things well, that know, would normally totally do it. Just aren't. Yeah. Well, that's the thing yeah. is like, I found middle kids. Do you guys know the band middle kids? Mm -hmm. Okay. Nope. They're great. Um, and, uh, and, and I discovered them like right before the pandemic. And like, I've had a, I've had a pin in their record because I know I'm going to engage with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I get that. Which is kind of a strange feeling. Um, yeah. Like I'm so going like, like, to like this when the veil is lifted. Yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. there, yeah. but I'm not quite ready to let that all in. Yeah. I mean, London yeah. grammar is another band that, okay. that I, I kind of discovered and I'm holding on to. Um, but yeah, this hasn't been easy. This, this no. has not been creatively you know i wished that i could have been one of those people who just suddenly <laughs> became so prolific or something but i was frantically reading essays about why can't i be creative right now <laughs> <laughs> i had i have a student that i had a, i have a student who wrote like i don't know three or four full-length plays and i'm just like <laughs> oh my god i don't even know how to te teach me your ways <laughs> i don't know like but i i think it's really profound because you had a you had a a very up close and harrowing personal view being where you are mm -hmm. to the early carnage. Oh, yeah. New York got very messed up and I'm not, mm -hmm. and I'm not in New York city anymore. I don't live in the city right now. Right, so right. I was, I was spared some of it, but I mean the, the, the morgue trucks in the streets were real. I mean, yeah. it, it was, and, and the sirens were real. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, I, I can't sit here and claim to have been more traumatized than, you know, somebody who lost half their family or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. But the fear was very intense and, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and it was so mysterious. Yeah. And I think that was the thing was, it was just so unknown and mysterious and the city got hit so hard, um, that I, I don't know, like I, I was so wrapped up in my family and just wanting to keep Ruben and my stepdaughter safe mm -hmm. and, um, and and try to just hunker through and wait for life to resume mm -hmm. and and i've never felt that way before i felt mm -hmm. fiercely protective um mm -hmm. and frustrated and angry yeah um at how little i could do and yes. you know people are people they don't necessarily want to be kept at home either <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, that's, I think about that though, because I've, I've never been to poor Washington, but I know that it's fairly, you know, populated, right? I mean, it's, oh, sure. yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, us in Nebraska, like Kirsten and I found a lot of solace in just, you know, driving 20 miles West and we were in the middle of a dirt, a dirt road on a cornfield or hiking in the woods. Like oh, we yeah. could get away from people. And I, and I, and I think folks that were living in more urban settings, had a very different experience. Well, yeah. I I mean, like I say, I'm not in the city, so I wasn't trapped in a tiny apartment yeah, with true. both of us trying to work from home and Sophia Woof. trying to do school from home and everything. So, um, 
you know, we, we were lucky in, in a lot of ways um, mm-hmm. and, and did find did find times to get away. I mean, what's really funny is I have friends who, who were just very, um, very supportive. And we, we would go and, and go to restaurants outside in the winter because they'd serve you. If you wanted to go, they would serve you. And we would have blankets over our laps like we were in a football game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shivering, and, eating yeah. your meal. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, whatever it took to have connection that could feel okay, yeah. you know, yeah. was, was what we did. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving like hot weather and sweating and being yeah, out and being out with people um, <laughs> and, and hoping that, I don't know, I, 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 we were meant to release this record last spring and, wow. we, and we know how that went. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a summer record. And I yes. think it's I think it's a, and, and all of the depth and the darkness and the beauty and the light is just more vivid to me now mm. after having been through this. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I hope that I hope that it hits people, you know, because yeah. it hits me and I made it. And and I I don't mean that I that sounds terrible it sounds so no it's great totally good yeah <laughs> because Toot your hooter Anne yeah. come on <laughs> um I just think um you know for for ears that are opening up again maybe mm. like mine maybe I'm not the only one no no I don't think you are and I do you are you guys gonna get to play some of this stuff live is that is that well, a hope. We- it is, but the whole band had to kind of scatter. And so oh, everybody's right. not going to be back in the city until probably September. So we'll right figure on. out, we'll oh, figure yeah. out something. Yeah. yeah. There, there'll be a party for sure. Good. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for people that were living in the city, the band members who were living in the city, it was just, it was time to go yeah. for a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Well, uh, and normally at the end of this deal, I put on some random outro music that just suits me <laughs> typically <laughs> grateful dead but yeah you or something i've uh i did a really old bonnie rate recording one time but anyway uh you have been uh, gracious enough to provide us with one of the songs off of off of the record is there anything yes. you'd like to say about it because that'll be our outro music for this evening uh, this is... our, our dozens of listeners should know about this <laughs> Well, it's it's a very simple expression, and it's one of the things that I think is so brave about James's songwriting. Mm. Um, the lyrics sound like they could be spoken by a child. Mm. It's just about the wonder of counting the seconds between lightning flashes and thunderclaps and imagining the journey of a storm across the landscape. Mm. I I love that. And I and I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I love that James's voice is also on that track. We're we're both singing on this. That's rare. Um, mm-hmm. He's singing harmony on it, and um, I think it's a it's very much Grateful Dead inspired after the years of jam banding at at Shrine, sure. and and I hope that everyone loves it. Wow. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anne. Uh, it was a total pleasure. Yeah, delight to speak with you. Yeah, really great to have you. Thank you so much. Thunder, lightning shows, storm 
Thunder, lightning shows.